name and we thank you lord for this opportunity to open up the bread of life lord we thank you for the word and lord we ask father that you would anoint the word this morning that you would have your way in in our lives and in the service lord we pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts lord we ask father that you would be glorified in this place and in our lives and lord in this nation our nation needs you people that are hurting this day, God, and we don't want to be oblivious to that. And Lord, we ask that you would do a work in the church today, that you would help us to stop being selfish and, and, and self-centered and, and mindful of our own issues. But Lord, that we would look upon the fields that are ready for the harvest. Lord, we ask, Father, that you would put a burden upon the church this day, Lord, to, to go work in the fields. Lord, we ask this day. Lord, I ask for that anointing to preach and teach as you desire. And Lord, we all ask for that anointing to hear and receive all that you're speaking to us today. And Lord, we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says, glory to God. John chapter 18, we're going to be beginning in verse number four. This is towards the end of Jesus's earthly ministry. And, you know, oftentimes during Jesus's life, they, the Pharisees or the Sadducees, the Jewish leaders, they would come and they would question and they would reject him and they would try to kill him. They would be after him. And I, I love the stories whenever he would be in, you know, in thronged around people and it would say he would just go through their midst. He would just, just go right through them. They couldn't, they could not kill him before his time was done. He had a mission to do. Amen. You know what the mission was? To take your sin debt to the cross. That was his mission. He had a mission to do. He was, he was going to that cross because of your rebellion. Amen. He had a mission and he was, he was not going to be deterred. And every time they tried to kill him before it was time to go to the cross, he just slipped right through their midst. They, where did he go? Where did he go? Just like Mary when they lost him when he was a child, right? Where did Jesus go? Well, you know, I love this passage right here in John chapter 18 because the, the Judas had done sold out Jesus. And there's a lot of Judases around today. Judas had done sold out Jesus. He, he, he would rather make money. He was that one that said, you know what? We could make money if instead of, instead of anointing Jesus, instead of pouring out our alabaster box, we could, we could make money off this thing. And you know, he was frustrated because the, the, the ministry wasn't making money. We can make money, you know, and if, if you become a Judas like that, it's all about the Benjamins. It's all about the money. It's all about how we can profit, how we can get a better life, and how we can do this and how we can do that. But I love the fact that there were people that would worship Jesus, that, that would just cry, and, and, and those tears would fall on his feet and would anoint him with that alabaster box. And it didn't matter the cost. It was, it was just about lavishing praises upon Jesus. A Judas, he was that one that was all about the money. He's got to see that that ministry's got to be having, you know, the LED lights. And we've got to get, be getting some income in this place. And we've got we've to grow this thing financially. And we've got to do this. And, you know, Judas wasn't satisfied with people just worshiping Jesus. He wasn't satisfied with people just having their needs met by the Lord of glory. He wasn't satisfied just with the Spirit of God touching hearts and mending broken lives he wasn't satisfied with demons being cast out. He wasn't satisfied with bodies being healed. He wasn't satisfied with the dead being raised. He wasn't satisfied with the broken humanity receiving life from God himself. He wasn't satisfied with that. He wanted that ministry to make money. And he sold out Jesus. And he brought some folks in. And I love this passage because all throughout the, the ministry of Jesus, he would always kind of, you know, fade in the back whenever people would come to try to kill him before it was time. Notice what happens here in John chapter 18. It says, Jesus in verse 4, Jesus, therefore, knowing all the things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, whom seek ye? Judas then brought his band of bandits to come get Jesus. This shows you the deity of Jesus. He knew everything that was going to happen. He knew everything that was going to unfold. This is one of the, this is one of the verses we use to, to, to show the deity of Christ. He knew what was coming. Just like God, when he came down in the Garden of Eden, he knew where Adam was, but he said, Adam, where are you? 
And Jesus, as he's, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's been praying all night. He's been praying sweat drops of blood. He's been pouring out his soul before the Father. And here, these people are coming to kill him. And he says, whom seek ye? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, at this point, and he knows what's going to happen, he could have said, look somewhere else. Or go somewhere else. Or he could have not said anything. But he asked them, who do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. In verse 5, it says, Jesus said unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. This is the original slain in the spirit right here. The, the, these men, they, they came to get Jesus, and Jesus intercepted them. He said, who do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. And as soon as he said, I am, they fell down. Amen. He is the great I am. Amen. He is the great I am. He is that, 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 that angel of the Lord in the burning bush. He is the great I am, the creator and the sustainer of life. And when he said, I am, they fell down. They fell down backwards. They, they, they got the jolts. They, they recognized something. The Spirit of God hit them. They fell to the ground. But I want to show you that Jesus, in the moment of decision, in the valley of decision, he made a profession that was going to cost him his earthly body. It was already set in motion. He knew what was going to befall him, but he had the courage because he had a conviction to go to the cross. I want to show you that. You see, it, this profession was so profound because there was courage there. It rose up. Why? Because he had a conviction to go to the cross. You know, the word tells us for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame, yes, but, but there was joy set before him, so he endured that cross. So he was willing to make a profession that would cost him his earthly body. And you know what? That's, I call that a backbone. That's what I call that. I call that a backbone. Amen. My Jesus has a backbone, doesn't he? Amen. Our Jesus has a backbone. And you know what a lot of the saints of God need right now? We need a backbone. We need God to put a backbone back in the church. Amen. We need God to raise up some bulldogs in the faith like Billy Sunday and D.L. Moody. We need God to raise up some men and women of God that will say what God says and knock back down from it. That will have a heart of God to see broken lives healed, but will have the backbone to say the truth and not compromise and not hem haul and not stutter and, but, and not try to rewrite what God says, but stand on what God has said i want to tell you something there are people today that don't know jesus that don't have the power of god that don't have the life of god that don't have the light of god and they're not going to get it unless the church gets a backbone and opens its mouth and speaks the word of god in the anointing of god so that god can go forward and break through their lives I want to tell you, we need a backbone right now. We don't need story time at the Apollo. We don't need to be having puppet shows. We don't need to be selling CDs and music. What do we need to do? We need to rear back and preach the word of God. We need to stand on the authority of what it says and say what it says. You know what? You don't have to say you're sorry for what God says. God's not sorry for what he said. You know what? Our generation right now, we're at a crossroads in America we are embracing things that God calls an abomination. They have laws coming down on the nation right now where they're going to force everyone to accept homosexual marriage. And I want to tell you, God said that it's an abomination. God created man for woman and woman for man. Amen. That's how God made us in the beginning, and that's how God still... You know what? God doesn't change. He's the same God, isn't He? I don't serve a different God. I serve the same God. It's, there's only one God. He said, I am the, 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 the Lord God Almighty. Amen. And there's no God beside him. Now listen, we're facing a crisis of courage in the church. We're facing a crisis of courage. You know that in, in our neighboring state in Texas, they have hundreds of churches in the Methodist church pulling out of the de denomination over the issue of same-sex marriage. Even a cult like the, the, the Mormon church, they're not even a church, but even they have embraced this idea. 
Even they have embraced this idea. And you know, you know what? This nation is at a crossroads right now because people right now, people right now would rather have society's approval than the standard of God. They would rather have society's approval than the standard of God. You might say, Pastor, you keep talking like that. You're going to get canceled. Well, you know what? There comes a certain point where I'd rather stand on God's side than have a social media platform. At some point, we've got to make that decision. There's a line in the sand, and I would rather stand with God than have society give me a thumbs up. I would rather have the anointing of God than the pleasure of men. I would rather have Jesus than the world. Amen? Isn't that what the old song says? Give me Jesus. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Amen? You know what? More and more, God is making it so abundantly clear that you cannot have society and Jesus. More and more, God is making it abundantly clear that you cannot mix light and darkness, right? He says that he's light, and in him's no darkness at all, and God is making that division so plainly seen. So plainly seen. But I want you to see that Jesus made a profession right here that cost him. When was the last time you made a profession of faith that cost you? When was the last time you stood on something God said when you knew that society would reject it? Your friends would reject it. Your family members would reject it. You know what? They need to know the truth. Jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. How are they going to get free if the church keeps its lips zipped? How are they going to know the truth if we don't speak the word of God? I thought it was the word of God that went forward and broke those bondages. I thought it was the spirit of God empowering the word of God to set the captive free. Amen. The word of God has to go forward in the church today. And what, one of the things that we see is that God doesn't change. Society changes. Amen. Society changes. But God doesn't change. And we are at a crossroads in America. We're, we're very much coming into everybody always says America is like Sodom and Gomorrah. America is like Sodom and Gomorrah. We're, we've done blown past that. We've done blown past that. We, we've, got, we've got some issues in America. And the church needs to get a backbone. And I want to show you this morning God, God's desire. God, God's got something for you today. Because he's going to give a voice back to the church. God's going to give a voice back to the church. We've been silent for too long. Amen. We've been silent for too long. Now, one of the things that we need to cover first is uh, t- turn with me to Luke chapter 21. I want to show you this. Luke chapter 21. The word of God does not change. Not one iota. Our societies change. You think about all the societies that have been in existence Since God created this world, from Babylon to Rome to Greece, all the Western societies, think about all the things that have transpired in the world, but God's word never changed. And you know what? If God's word never changed, that means his standards have never changed. What God considers holy, he's always considered holy. You know what? He's not going to lower the bar of holiness just because we live in modern Sodom. He's not going to lower the bar of holiness just because we live in 2020. He's not going to lower the bar of what he calls righteous and what he calls holy. He's not going to lower his standards for us. He's called us to come up to his standard. He's called us to come up to his standard. Amen. He's called us. We've got to, you know what? We've got to raise our families in the fear of God. We've got to, we've got to stand our church in the fear of God. We've got to guide this nation to come back to the fear of God. We've got to come back to this place to where we tremble at his word, where we bow down at his feet, and where we magnify what he's done on that cross. He says in verse 33 of Luke chapter 21, Jesus said this, He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Church, let me tell you, his word is unchanging. His word is uncompromising. His word is unfading. His word is fadeless. It will not compromise, and it will not waver, and it will not change. 
God's word will never change. It doesn't matter if you're talking to someone in 1792 or 1692 or 2092. God's word is the same. He's always going to say the same thing about marriage. He's always going to say the same thing about murder. He's always going to say the same thing about lying and stealing. He's always going to say the same thing about self-righteous works. He's always going to say the same thing. He's never going to change. And yet, and yet in the church world today, what we see is people him hawing about the standard of God. We talk about everything under the sun except for the standard of God. The holiness of God. The righteousness of God. Our society is attempting to rewrite the word of God. Now some of them, they try to do it with the pen, like maybe the Message Bible or one of those other kind of things, the Passion Translation. But, but in, in reality, they're not really taking a pen to, to rewrite it. What they're doing is they're influencing the church to come off of the standard of it. Well, I know that's what it says, but that's not what it means. I know that's what it says, but that's not what it means. No, God means what he said, and he said what he means. We used to have a saying, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Amen? If God settled it, if God said it, it's a done deal. God done spoke it. We better believe it and get with it. Amen? If we don't believe it and get with it, we're going to leave it left behind. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Amen? Well, one of the things that we see here is that our, our society is is creating laws our society is creating um, an environment that rewrites the word of god just with these laws that are coming forward they're going to try to force churches to embrace same-sex marriage they're going to try to enforce the church to accept these wicked practices but i want to tell you right now the church cannot move off the standard of god Whatever it cost us, even just like Jesus, he made that profession of faith. He stood on, he said, I am he. He didn't back down. He didn't save his own hide. He didn't say, I'll live to fight another day. He, when they asked, he said, I am he. And you know what we need to say? We, need to not, we, don't, we don't need to be saying, I am he. We need to be saying, he is he. He is the one. Amen. We need to be saying what he said. God said it. Amen. I'm going to hide myself behind the cross. I'm going to hide myself behind his word. And I'm not going to back down from what God has said. But we live in a society that, like I said, is embracing practices and laws that are against God's word. Almost everybody we know has somebody in our family that is embracing these ideas. Almost everybody we know has someone in our family that's living in adultery, living in fornication, living in homosexuality, living in idolatry, following the the wrong religion. But you know what? God has called you to speak the word and not worry about the consequences. God's got your back. Amen. God's got your back. I don't know who's against me, but I know who's for me. Amen. Amen. I know who's for me. We've got God for us. Amen. There's only one third of the fallen angels and the devil. There's two thirds of the heavenly angels behind us with God himself. Amen. I don't know who's against me, but I know who's for me. And that matters more. And I want you to know God's calling you to stand on the authority of what he said. This is one of the greatest battles we're going to face in the upcoming day. God's calling the church to come back to a place of purity where we hold to the purity of his word. He said one man, one woman. Amen. That's the purity of his word. God said in the book of Hebrews to keep the marriage bed undefiled. God said that we are called to live a life. That, that we're abstaining from adultery and fornication and all of these sexual sins. I say, man, we, we all the time talking about these things because our society is driven by sex more today than it ever has been. It is being shoved down the throat of our children. And the church, all, that, all we can do is sell music CDs. All we can do is sell T-shirts. All we can do is have a carnival outside. And the world is shoving ungodly sexual things down the throats of our children in our society and you might be saying well I've got my children protected because you know I don't let them watch tv after eight o'clock but what about your neighbor's children what about the other children where's the church at all we can offer somebody is a ticket to buy something. All we can do is tell them we're going to have a great service. Come buy a ticket. Come to our concert. Come buy a ticket. Come do this and buy a raffle ticket. When people are dying and going to hell, the word of God says, God said, my people perish 
You know why his people perish? You know why his people perish? Not for a lack of worship music. You know why his people perish? Not for, a, not for the buildings too small or the buildings too big. You know why his people perish? His people perish because of a lack of knowledge. They don't have the knowledge of God. They don't have the word of God. They don't have the anointing of God. They don't know God. That's why our society is perishing is because people don't know God. And God has given us a job to make him known. God has given us a job to make him famous. Amen. He is the Lord. He is the Lord. Amen. And this world needs to know he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he will judge every last one of us. He will judge us. He will, he will call us to account for every word we've said, every idle word we've, we've said, every thought we've had, every action we've done. Our God will judge the quick and the dead. And they need to know it before it's too late. Amen. We cannot be satisfied having church and playing patty cake while people are perishing. The devil is not, listen to me, the devil is not done. He is trying to destroy this nation from the inside out. He is, the, 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 the standards of our society are crumbling by the hour. And he's not stopping. But the church is just carrying on its, its carnival atmosphere as usual. But God is calling a remnant of the church to come to a place where we're burdened for souls. Where we're burdened to see people set free. And God is assembling his bride. God is assembling his people in this hour. God is assembling the remnant of the church together to lock arms and to band in faith. And to believe for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God said listen one can put a thousand to flight but two ten thousand God is assembling a remnant of believers to lock arms and believe together and pray this thing down God will get the victory if the church will stand up and pray in the Holy Spirit and speak the word of God to a society that is dying Amen. That's what God's looking for. Our forefathers in the faith didn't hide back. So many of our forefathers in the faith, they died. They were, they were killed by the Catholic priests. They were killed by, by ungodly people. They were killed by Muslims. They were, even today, people are being killed in foreign lands because they will not deny that Jesus is God. Amen. They will not deny what God has said. And they've made a profession of faith that have cost their life. Amen. I encourage you to read books like the Fox's Book of Martyrs. We need to get acquainted with these things in the church again. There are so many people that have died for the faith because they made a profession. And what do we see in the church? No profession. No profession. But the church, listen to me, the church has no victory if we don't stand on the standard of God. We don't have a victory. We don't have no victory if we don't stand on this. If we're not standing on the word of God, we have no victory. Victory comes from the word of God. Victory comes from knowing God. Victory comes from that right there. We sing it, victory in Jesus. But look, if we're denying things that he said in this book, we don't have it. We don't have it. Amen. People today need to know that God is eternal and he does not change. His standards don't change. Now, I understand this is, look, because we say it's a mighty tall task because our society has gone off the rails. Our society has done gone crazy right now. Our society is off the rails, and it's going to take courage to do what God's calling the church to do. But I want you to know God's not going to ask you to do it in your own strength. God will, God will supernaturally empower you with the Holy Spirit to do what he's called you to do. But you've got to come to God and ask the Lord for that strength. Strength. Amen. Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem till you're endued with power from on high and you shall be my witness. You shall be my witness. Why did he give us the Holy Ghost? So that we can be his witness. God is calling you to get the Holy Ghost so that you can be his witness. Amen. God's calling you to get the Holy Ghost so you can be his witness. Today, we see, um, we see that people are coming back off their profession. 
There was a day and time when people would stand on the authority of the Word of God, but today people are hem-hawing it because they're auntie or their cousin. People are hem-hawing it because they're co-worker, or they're hem-hawing it because of so-and-so's daughter. They're, they're not speaking the Word because they don't want to offend. But you know what? The Word, listen, the Word of God needs to go out and, and it needs to accomplish what God desired it to accomplish. We need to get the Word of God out. Amen? We don't need to be withholding it. Amen. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. I want to tell you, you're going to be persuaded by one of two things. You're going to be persuaded by society or you're going to be persuaded by God. And people today, people today need to make that choice. People today need to make that choice on who's going to persuade your soul. We live in an, an exciting time, church. You, did you know that God, God made you for such a time as this? Just like Esther said, you were born for this time. Some of you have gone through experiences and you've, you've, you've got testimonies and you've experienced the power of God and you've experienced the love of God and God is pouring things into you for a purpose. Some of you haven't experienced those things, but there's a burning in you. There's a yearning inside of you. And you know that what the church has been selling to the world is not it. And there's something not there. There's a yearning inside you. That's God drawing you. That's God pulling you to the truth. The truth is setting you free. The truth is making you free. The truth is cutting away the dross. The truth is cutting away the things of society. Because God's got you in His eyesight. Let the Word keep doing what He's doing in your life. Don't shrink back in this hour. You were made for this time. God didn't make you to fit in. He made you to stand out. This is not the time to try to fit in with the society that has rejected God's Word. He didn't make you to fit in. He made you to stand out. He created you for this time. He made you for this time. And He will empower you for such a time as this. I thank God we live in the New Testament. Esther, she stood for God. It was going to cost her her life, but she didn't have the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But now in the New Testament, God tells us to have the same courage of conviction, to stand on our profession. And we don't have to do it on our own strength, but we can do it in the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, turn with me over here. Look at verse number 14. Hebrews chapter 4, look at verse number 14. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us, somebody say let us, let us hold fast our profession." Now, I, I, I love, you know, this verse. I want to tell you a few things about it. But the word profession there, it's the same kind of word as confession. Every dictionary you look, it'll say it's similar to confession. It's rooted in confession. But profession of faith, it's when you pronounce something. It's when you pronounce something openly. You're outward with it. You're, you're extending it out there. It's the same thing as someone on a job. They say, what is your profession? When you say something's my profession, well, for my profession, I'm a baker. What you're telling people is, is that God's enabled you and gifted you to do this thing. And that's a profession. You're professing to the world, I'm a baker. But when it comes to our faith, when he says, let us hold fast our profession, what it means is we're not going to zip our lips. But we're going to hold fast our profession of faith. When you got saved, you confess that Jesus is Lord. If you got saved, you confess Jesus is Lord. Amen. You believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Amen. And watch this. That same profession is what God's looking for in you today. God doesn't want you to back off or him haul from that profession. Why, why are we looking at this verse? Look what it says. Jesus, he passed into the heavens. That's his bodily enthronement. He went to the heavens in bodily. He was raised bodily from the dead. How did he get raised from the dead? Because he made that profession. I am he. And they crucified him. 
He didn't, he didn't shrink back from his profession, but he said, I am he, and it cost him his earthly body, cost him that life, and he died on that cross because of his profession of faith. You know why? Because you were on his heart. You were on his heart. He could, he could have skipped over that part. He could have spent a few more years, but you know what? It says for the joy that was set before him, he endured that cross. You were on his heart. You were on his mind. If you would have died in your sins, you would be busting hell wide open. But Jesus made a profession. He said, I am he. I am he. And you know what God's looking for in you? Is to hold fast this profession. Yes, he is he. He is that one. Yes, he is the truth. Yes, he is the way. Yes, he is the life. Yes, He is the one that sets the standards. Yes, He is the authority. He is the only God there is. Every knee will bow to Him. Every tongue will confess Him. He has been given all power in heaven and earth. He is He. He is He. God's looking for the church to point people to Jesus and say, that's where our standards come from. That's where we get our standard for marriage. You know what? I, I, I thank God that He's given us in the Word of God standards. And we've got to have the courage of conviction to hold fast our profession. Because his word's not going to change. America, we've already seen the Supreme Court embrace same-sex marriage. We've seen them um, allow abortion. We've seen them allow all kinds of ungodly things. And now we're even codifying it into our laws. And God's looking for people. To stand up and say, you know what? That's, that's not God's standard right there. That's not God's standard. Now, I know you may know that on the inside, but God's looking for us to have a profession of faith. God's looking for us to have a courage of conviction and say, that's not God's standard. You know why? Because if people die in their sin, it's not that they go to time out, guys. If people die in their sin, it's not because they go to time out. Listen, they are, they are shoving this stuff down the throats of children. Our society is being changed. Our society is being changed. We have story time by drag queens. We have transgender medicine for children. We have all kinds of ungodly things that are going on in our schools, in our homes, on TV, in our movies, in our music. It is ungodliness all the way around. And God's looking for a church to stand up and say, listen. That's wrong. This is God's standard. God said one man, one woman. Amen? Now, here's the thing. It says that Jesus passed into the heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Just a, a quick word. The word hold fast, it's the, the word fastener is a screw. If you remember the store, fasten all, it's all about bolts and screws. So the word fast means that you're, that you're bolted to your profession. You're not going to waver off of that profession, but you're going to stand on that line and be counted for God, whatever the cost may be. You're going to stand for God no matter what happens. You're going to stand for God no matter who likes it or lumps it. You're going to stand on God's word. Amen. You're going to stand on the authority of God's word. People will try to persuade you. They will pressure you. They will put pressure on you. They will, they will try to pressure you off of this standard. They will try to get you to look the other way. They will try to get you to close your eyes. They'll try to get you to zip your lips. They will try to move you off by pressure. And if they can't get you by pressure, they'll try to get you by sin. But you can't be moved off of what God has said. I want to tell you, his profession, his profession was a costly profession. Can we honestly say that? Think about that. We live in a society that is rejecting God by the hour more and more. How can we say our profession of faith has not costed us anything when his profession costed him everything? Amen. How can we fit into a society that is pushing God out? How can we fit into a society that is rejecting God? How can we say we've got God on the inside and we've got the Holy Ghost flowing on the outside and we've got all the joy of the Lord and the anointing of God? How can we, as Pentecostal, full gospel, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, you know, gospel-preaching men and women of God, how can we then fit into society that is rejecting God? 
We should be standing out like a sore thumb. We should be standing out like a sore thumb. You see, the first church, when, when, they, when they got stirred up and God raised up that first church, they got in trouble. Don't ever th- they got in trouble. Peter and John got in prison. And when they got let out, they said, don't preach in his name. Don't preach in his name. Peter said, there's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. You can tell me not to preach in his name, but that's the only name given whereby you can be saved. It's not Muhammad. It's not Buddha. It's not any kind of false God. It is only one name where somebody can be saved. And one of the things that we've got to understand is when they went back to the church in the book of Acts, they didn't pray that God would raise up some protection. They didn't pray that God would shelter them from this hour of crisis. They didn't pray that they could shrink back from the hour of duty. But what did they pray for? That God would strengthen them and embolden them, that they could preach the word of God with signs and power and boldness so that people could know who Jesus is. People today need to know who Jesus is. Amen? They don't need to know who we are. We need to be nameless and faceless. It's not about us. They need Jesus. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows him will never walk in darkness. This world is in darkness right now. People are depressed. People have all kinds of issues right now. They're in bondages to drugs and alcohol. They're in bondage to sin, and they need the light of God. They need Jesus. And what, what the church needs to do is to make sure we're giving them Jesus, not selling them tickets to a concert. We need to give them Jesus, not sell them tickets to a play. We need to give them Jesus. We don't need to be selling them coffee or T-shirts. We need to make sure they're hearing. And you might say, oh, well, you know, they sell tickets and they talk about Jesus. Well, you know what? We need to preach Jesus. We need to preach Jesus. Amen. We need to preach Jesus. So um, let me show you this in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Keep your finger there because we're going to come back to it. But turn, turn with me just a few pages backwards to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul here is writing to, to, to his son in the faith, Timothy. And he's going to talk about his profession. His profession of faith. Not his profession in a worldly sense. A lot of people get tripped up on that. Your profession in a worldly sense can change. God can take you out of one business into another. We, we, we sometimes go dragging and kicking. You know, your profession, God may change your profession because God's got a better job for you. I don't mean financially. I mean, he's got some people over here that need you. He's got some people over here that need him. He's got some people over here that need the light of God's glory. Amen. And he may shuffle things up in your life. That's okay, right? God may shuffle things up in our life because he's got a better plan over here. He's got he's got a use for us over here. It's not about what we want. Amen. It's not about what we want. Oh, I want to be a, a stock market trader. Well, what does God want for you? God may want you to be a painter so that you can be around people that that need to hear the gospel instead of just sitting alone in your room watching the computer. Click, click, click. God may have something greater for you. Amen. God's got something greater for you. So we need to trust God for the greater. It says in verse number 20, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Did God give you something? Raise your hand if God gave you something. Did God give you something? God gave it to you. He said, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith, grace be with thee. Amen. Listen, God has called you to, com- to hold to that thing that he put inside you. If you're saved and filled with the Spirit of God, God put a deposit on the inside of you, and he's called you to stay committed to what he's entrusted you. He's given you light. He's given you liberty. The Word of God says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. God has given you something. God has set the captive free. God has given you an anointing. God has given you light to walk in, and he's committed it to your trust. So guard it with your life. 
Amen. I thank God for the presence of the Lord in my life. I have to guard that with all that I am. The word of God says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. I've got the Lord of glory on the inside. Christ in me is the hope of glory. And I'm going to guard that which he's put inside of me. I love what he's done for me. And I'm going to guard what he's done for me. But he says, keep that which is committed to that trust. And look, it says, avoid profane and vain babblings. Oh, well, you know, you don't have to be like that. You don't have to do this. And you Profane babblings, vain babblings. These, these people babble, and they try to hem-haw and get you off the truth. They try to get you off of what Jesus did on the cross. I want to tell you, the church is built on Jesus Christ and his righteousness, not our own. It's built on him and what he did. Christ is our righteousness. Amen? Everything else is vain babbling. You can talk about, you know, just like you can talk about everything else. Well, what color was the Antichrist's horse's tail? You know what? The reality is we need to come back to the cross. We need to come back to who Jesus is. We need to come back to what he's done. And we need to come back to that place and not let go of it. Everything else is vain babbling, isn't it? Everything else is vain babbling and profane. That's when people talk about God in a way and they don't know God. Didn't he say that? People, they, they, they confess him with their mouth, but their hearts are far from him. They say, oh, I know God. They talk about things about God. But he said, your heart's far from me. Your heart's far from me is what Isaiah said. Jesus likened that in Matthew 7 when he talked about, you shall know a tree by its fruit, not by its words. People speak many swelling words. There's a lot of people out there speaking profane things about God. Oh, God's okay with same-sex marriage. Oh, God's okay with this. God's okay with that. They are speaking profane things about God. They are denying what God has said, and they are speaking profane things. And even, you know, you want to take it even to a step lower than that. Think about what the church is allowing inside of it. We are allowing profane things into the church. We're allowing secular music into the church. We're allowing ungodliness into the church. We've lowered our standard in our church. Amen. There's some things I just can't get by. Amen. I mean, we just, we've got to get back to the place where we have standards in the church again. Because God hasn't changed. Amen. God hasn't changed. He still has a standard. We need to honor him and revere him. Amen. We've been set apart. God has set us apart for his glory. And we need to, we need to hold those standards. It says to avoid profane and vain babblings. The part I wanted to get to is and op- and oppositions of science falsely so-called. Do you know, I saw a study. They said, um, I think it was 15 years ago, there were two clinics that offered um, transgender medicine and surgery for children in America. 15 years ago, there were two. Today, there's like 50. That's science falsely so-called. And because the church has been silent on these issues, our children are being damaged for the rest of their life. Not only that, not only that, but we are compromising the truth of God and it's going to cost people. If you know the truth and you don't speak the truth, it's going to cost you. Because Jesus said, listen, Jesus said this. He said, if you are ashamed of me and my word, right? He's going to be ashamed of you. If you deny him and his word, he's going to deny you before the father in heaven. It's a serious matter. God has called us to hold fast to our profession. Notice what Paul told Timothy. He said, some professing have erred concerning the faith. You see, when you know the truth, but you're allowing vain and profane babblings to go on, and you allow science falsely so-called to go on, like the Big Bang, evolution, um, transgenderism, all these things. These, this is all false science. In the beginning, God made. Evolution's done. In the beginning, God made. Evolution's done. It's already canceled out. God made male and female. Transgender, out. No third category there. Amen. He made one. He made the other. No, no going back and forth. God done settled it. The book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, God done settled the issue. 
You want to know what science falsely so-called is? It's evolution, it's transgenderism, it's all of these things that are going on in the world today. And the church cannot be silent in this hour. You might say, I'm not ready for this. Well, God's, God's given us this message so that we can get ready. God's given us this message so we can get ready because the battle's coming, church. You, you may not be experiencing it yet, but it is coming. They've designed these laws to come after churches. They, they have specifically designed these things to come after churches. Now, I don't know, what, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know who fights my battles. I know, who the, I know who the Lord of war is. I know who's on my side. Amen. They can, they can do certain things. They can only come so far, but there's a bloodline that they cannot cross. Not only is there a bloodline that they cannot cross, but there's a Lord of war that's on my side. Amen. And he'll, he'll let things go on to a certain extent, but then he'll say that's enough, and he'll take care of it. He said, vengeance belongs to me. Amen. We don't, we're not after vengeance. We're not after that. But what we want to do is we want to preach the word so people can get saved. And we cannot compromise. Sometimes whenever we talk about it, we say, oh, pastor's just trying to get us to go out and share the gospel. more." Well, that is true. But what I'm trying to get you to see this morning is you're going to have to hold fast your profession of faith in the last days because there's an attack on the sanctity of life. There's an attack on the sanctity of marriage. There's an attack on the standard of God's word those those battles right there are coming for the church we always thought in the church our battle in the last day was going to be against the jehovah's witness against the mormon against the you know against buddha against um you know yoga we always thought our battle was going to be against these false religions no 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 we've got a battle right now for the sanctity of marriage we've got a battle right now for the sanctity of life and we've got a battle for the standard of the Word of God. We've got a battle on our hands right now, and it is corroding our nation, and it is emptying and devoiding the church of its voice. If we don't stand on the profession of our faith, there will not be an anointing of the Holy Spirit in our church. He anoints so that he may equip us so that we can be empowered to do what God called us to do. But if we're not doing what God called us to do, there's no reason for the anointing and the equipping. And we wonder why we need to have stage props, lights, cameras, in action. We wonder why we need to have rock and roll music and sing secular songs in the church because we're trying to pump up the flesh because we're not empowered by the Spirit. That's why. Until we come back to this place of being empowered by His Spirit, we will need these things to pump up our flesh. But God has called us to this place. God has called us to this hour. You were created for this fight. You were created for such a time as this. God has you here for a reason. This is the time to let God's light shine. Amen? This is the time to let God's light shine. God didn't save you so that you can take a cruise. God didn't save you so that you can go to Jamaica and put your feet in the white sand. God didn't save you so you can go tour Italy. God saved you so that he can be glorified in you, so that people that are in darkness, so people that are lost and blind, so that people that don't know him can know him. That's why he saved you, so that he can be glorified in you and through you. That's why God saved you, church. That's why he saved you. And you see, when you back off of these profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called, you start losing the faith. You start losing the faith. If you back down from what you know is wrong, according to the Word of God, then you're, then you're beginning to lose the faith. They started eroding the church back in the, in, in the days in, when, in education in America when they started bringing evolution into the, into the classroom. They started eroding trust in the Word of God. They started infilling in this stuff in the minds of children. And we've got a generation of people now that don't believe God's Word is true. But how many of you can testify today God's Word is true? What He said is true. He said He would save me. He saved me. He he said he would heal me. He healed me. He said he would deliver me. He delivered me. He said he would fill me. He filled me. I know his word is true. I know that I know that I know his word is true because I've experienced the power of his spirit. He has testified that his word is true. Amen. He has testified that his word is true. 
All these prophecies in the Old Testament have come to pass, been fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ. Not only that, but we bear witness because the Holy Spirit bears witness with the truth. So today we have we have to stand against these things. There is a generation past that didn't stand against these things or maybe people did, but not enough. Amen. I know whenever Abraham and, and, and God were talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham said, if there's 50 righteous, would you spare it? If there's 50 righteous, would you spare it? I do not know if God had a formula for like one person per hundred or one person per thousand. I don't know. But I know Abraham said, if there's 50 righteous, will you spare it? And God said, yes. But guess what? There weren't 50 righteous. I mean, if, if, if Lot had been out there instead of hiding out. Now, he was, he was troubled. He was vexed in his spirit with the ungodliness, but he stayed inside. He wasn't, he wasn't, he, he was just there. He was just hanging out. But you know what? If he would have been out, if he would have been evangelizing, letting the light of God shine, there might have been 50 righteous. There might have been 50 righteous. And, and well, what about 40, Lord? 30, 20. God, God went all the way down to 10. Abraham said, what if there's 10, Lord? If there's 10 righteous, will you spare Sodom? Now think about that. It's Sodom and Godly. That's where we get the word sodomy from. They were known for their sodomy. They were known for their homosexuality. They were known for their ungodliness, for their sexual immorality. And God would have spared that ungodly city if there would have been 10 righteous people. Just 10. Well, think about America. Are there 10 righteous I don't know the proportion. Maybe God's looking for 100 righteous. Maybe he's looking for 10,000 righteous. I don't know, but I know I want to be on that side. I want to be one that God can count on to be on that side of the equation. I don't want to keep my mouth shut. I don't want to hide the light in a critical hour. I don't want to shrink back when the pressure's on. I want to testify and hold fast my profession like Paul told Timothy. If you don't, you're going to err from the faith. You're going to err from the faith. So in this hour, I believe God's ex examining America. I believe God's examining America. I do not believe that we, can, that we can buck against God's word and God's standards for this long without judgment coming. I believe there's a day of reckoning coming. But if enough of the righteous remnant stand up and testify of God and profess his word and march with the gospel that others may be saved, I believe God can spare this nation and God can turn things around. He said in, in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen of his people, he's not looking at it. he's not looking at the people in the ballroom he's looking at the people in the church he said if my people will humble themselves that's he's looking for the church to get humble he's looking for the church to repent he's looking for the church to seek his face and he's looking for the church to cry out in this hour he's not look we we're not waiting on the world to do that we're waiting on the church to do that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek his face, turn from their wicked ways, what will God do? He will hear from heaven and he will heal the land. That was the promise given to Solomon. If the nation ever lost course, if the nation ever got off track, and you know what? We need to be a people. I don't know if God will spare America or not. I don't know. I know it, I, I don't, I do not know if God will spare America, but I at least want to give other people a chance at eternal life. I at least want to honor God at his word and stand up when God tells me to stand up. If God tells me to sit down, I'll sit down. If God tells me to stand up and speak the word, I'll stand up and speak the word. If God tells us to go out into the highways and byways and compel the lost to come into the house of God, I will go out into the highways and byways and compel the lost to come to Jesus. If God tells us to do it, we need to do it. Amen? We've got people today that are allowing these things to go on. Turn back with me to Hebrews chapter 4. I want to close back over here where we were. Hebrews chapter 4. It says, just as we're going to read these, these next two verses in this passage. Seeing then, and I thank God that we have a Savior that made a profession like he did. 
When he said, I am, and there was other times like when Pilate questioned him, you know, he said, my kingdom's not of this earth. He made a profession there. But I love this one. When he said, I am he, and those, those men fell backwards. And it was a costly profession. He could, have, he could have not, you know, made himself known. He could have hidden himself behind the rock. He could have hidden in the, in the olive trees. He could have done any number of things. But he went forward and asked them, who do you seek? He said, I am. I am he. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Now listen to this. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. The word infirmities there, a lot of people attribute it to sickness. That's one of the meanings in a, in a minimal way. But the majority of the text read that that word infirmities means feebleness. Feebleness. Does that remind you of the church today? Are we a feeble flock? Amen. A lot of times you look at the church today, we are a, we are a church without a voice. We are a church without a backbone. We're a choice. We are a church without the unction of God. But God's looking for someone. God's looking for someone to have that standard. But look, when we say, look, we, we have a Jesus. We have a Jesus. It says in verse number 15, He's not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. In other words, he is a high priest that can be touched with our feebleness. When we come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I'm weak. He says, I'm strong in you. When we come to Jesus and we say, I'm tired, he says, I'll lift you up. When we come to Jesus and we say, I don't have anything right now, he says, I've got everything, and I'm going to pour it out upon you. Amen. When we come to Jesus and we say, I'm sick, he says, I'm your healer. See, when we come to Jesus in a feeble manner, he's touched by our feebleness. We have a high priest that can be touched. His heart is moved when we're broken. His heart is moved when we're humble. His heart is moved when we say, Lord, we need you. The hour's critical. The pressure's on. And I don't have what the world needs. They need you. And we get ourselves to that point where we allow ourselves to be broken at his feet. Then God says, yes, yes. Yes, I've got someone there. They're broken. They're broken. God uses broken people. God uses people that are willing to be exposed. God uses people that are willing to, to, to be open to whatever God wants to do in their life. God uses humble, contrite, broken people. And it moves his heart. You know, a lot of times you get into ministry, you, you talk about the priesthood, you talk about ministry, you got people, they don't want to hear your belly aches, they don't want to hear your, your feebleness. I'm, Pastor, I'm tired, I don't feel like singing today. Pastor, I'm tired, I may not make it to church today. You get some people, they may get tired of that kind of stuff, but Jesus don't get tired when you come to him in feebleness. He's touched, he's touched by your feebleness. Hallelujah. What a good God we have. What a good God we have. He's not looking for you to put on a show. He's looking for you to give him your heart. Amen. Amen. He's looking, and, and he says, he's touched by these feelings of infirmity. God, I need you. Lord, I need you. It moves the heart of God. A lot of times in religion, we think what moves the heart of God is when we got all our, our T's crossed and our, our I's dotted and we've got our, our tie on and we got the, the tie clip on and we got the cuff links and we got everything all shiny and polished. But what God's looking for is brokenness. What God's looking for is brokenness. God used broken people to change the world in the first century. And if you're willing to be broken, if you're willing to be humble, if you're willing to be feeble and come to the Lord, he will be your strength. He will be your anointing. He will be your light. He will be your healer. He will give you a voice. He will give you courage. He will give you what you need in this hour that is upon the church. But it says he was in all points like as we are, 
He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And without sin. Let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace. You know what? I'm so thankful that my brokenness touches the heart of Jesus. I'm so thankful that my brokenness touches his heart. Sometimes, if you've ever asked somebody for help, how many of you have ever asked somebody for help, and then you feel like if you ask them for a second time, they're going to be like, now, I already helped you. And if you ask them a third time, they're going to be like, okay, look, dude, it's getting old. You ask them a fourth time, they're like, you're not going to keep using me. But you see, with God, it's different. With God, it's different because he's looking for that broken heart. He's looking for that person that, that is willing to be exposed, willing to be humble before him. If my people, right, who are called by my name will what? Humble themselves. If you'll say, Lord, I've got an infirmity here. I need you. Lord, I've got a brokenness. I need you. Lord, I've got, I've, I've got a problem right here, and I need you. I need you, Lord. You see, he says, let us come boldly, therefore. Let us, therefore, come boldly under the throne of grace. God's looking for you to come to his throne. You know why you would go to the throne of God? You know why people went to the throne of the king back in the day? Because they needed the king to do something. They needed the king to do something. And he said, you know what? Your feebleness touches his heart. Therefore, come. Come. Therefore, come boldly. Therefore, come. Because your feebleness touches his heart. Therefore, come. Come to that throne. And look what it says. Under the throne of grace that we may what? Obtain Mercy, mercy, and find grace to help in time of need. Do you have need? Do you have need? Do you need God's help? I'm telling you, we need God's help. We need God's help in the church today. We need God's help in our families. We need, we need the wisdom of God to know how to raise our families in this generation. We need the wisdom of God to know how to live a holy life in this generation. We need the wisdom of God. We need the courage of God. We need God's help. We need God's healing. We need God's provision. We need God's unction. We need God's boldness. We need God in this hour, church. We need God. And it says that you'll obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Church, God welcomes us. God welcomes us. He welcomes us to come to that throne. He made the way before you. You, you see, God's not looking for you to pay penance. God's not looking for you to, 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 to pay your debt. God already paid the debt for you. The way to the throne was already made. The blood of Jesus enabled that way to be done. It says we can come through the body of Jesus Christ. That, that veil was rent from top to bottom. It's open. The door to the throne has been opened to you, and God is inviting you to come to the throne and get the help that you need for such a time as this this is the time God's looking for the church to hold fast its profession there may be a cost associated with holding fast but God said if you'll come to him he'll give you the help you need he'll give you the help that you need some of us we need God's help right now in our bodies some of us need God's help in our minds some of us need God's help and courage, and, 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 and some of us, we need the anointing of God. Some of us, we've, we've, we've thought about the, the power of the Holy Spirit, but some of us, we've not been baptized in the Holy Ghost. You, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God is looking for people today that will humble themselves, and he's opened up the door to the throne, and he's invited you to come boldly to that throne of grace so that you can obtain the mercy and the help that you need right now, in this time. Glory to God. I thank God that I serve a Jesus who's touched when I'm broken. I thank God that God is touched when I am weak. I thank God that He loves me so much 
that he's willing to be patient with me. He's willing to welcome me for the umpteenth time. He's willing to welcome me to that throne so that he can provide what I need. Church, everything you need, Jesus did on that cross. He made the way for you. He died on that cross. He paid the price so that you can come and obtain everything you need. You don't need what a man has. You need what comes from God. And he made the way for you. Amen. He made the way for you. Heavenly Father, we bless you this day. We thank you, Lord, for the profession of faith that you made. And we thank you, Lord, that you've invited us to hold fast our profession. Lord, I thank you for a church, Lord, that's ready, that's reared up to come and obtain that mercy, grace, and help that we need in such an hour as this. Lord, we declare today that you are Jehovah. You are the one that that provides. You are the one that reveals. You are the one that sustains. You are the one that gives life. You are the author of life. Lord, some of us here today, we need life. We need life. And God, I thank you, Lord, for the word going forward. I pray, Lord, right now that you would touch our hearts. If you're here today and the Lord is speaking to you, would you lift up your hand? Tell the Lord. You're not telling anybody else. Just tell the Lord. Show him your hand. Show him your hand and tell him that you're, he, he's speaking to you. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you for speaking to your people. I pray, God, right now that you would do a work in our lives as we humble ourselves, as we come to your throne, God. I pray that you would pour out your spirit and minister to the need of your people. And we give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We invite you to come to the altars. If you need to come and talk to Jesus, these